Welcome to Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and equips you to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Say always. always. Come on, say it one more time. Say always. always. All right, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. You may be seated. It's great to have you. Uh, just look at your neighbor real quick and say, man, you're looking good today. All right, but tell them not as good as me, though. Not as good as me. Hey, as we, uh, as we mentioned in the video, we're starting a three-part series going in um, to my favorite time of the year, or really fall, kind of going into that time. But um, for all of you Christmas, Christmas people in the room who like to celebrate Christmas like at the beginning of November, I would just like to pause you from doing so. Please put away your Christmas carols, your candles that smell like pine trees, um, the, the, the lights that you've already set up inside of your house and on the outside of your house. You know exactly who you are. Um, and let's just focus on gratitude for the next three weeks before we get to the season of Christmas. That's a little personal pet peeve of mine that I'm just going to let you in on. Um, I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. But I love in this time, how we begin to change our focus and begin to look at some things um, that really make a, a huge difference. Now, here's the reality. All of us in this room, we have a lot of things to be thankful for. Amen? That was really weak for all you have. Don't look at me that way. Come on. I said, we all have a lot of things to be thankful for. Right? Amen. A lot of things. Now, here's the reality, okay? If God were to stop all of the blessings starting right now today, how many of you would agree that we still have a lot of things to be thankful for? Amen. We, we absolutely would. Yet even though we know that God has blessed us more than we probably deserve, how many of you guys know there are times in our lives where we struggle with this whole idea of thankfulness? And as we move into the season of thanksgiving and gratitude, I want to look at some things that the scripture teaches us about this idea of gratitude. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 again and look at what it says. It says three things. It says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When you read the Bible, it's interesting to note how many times God calls us to a place of giving thanks or being thankful. And I think we're reminded of this a lot because God knows that we're forgetful people. Now, all of the wives in the room at this moment, please don't look to your left or to your right, to your significant other, but how many times have you sent your husband to the store to grab a couple of items so you can cook some things only to receive a phone call with this statement? Hey, what am I here for again? That ever happened to anybody else but me? It's like Vanessa will send me to the store to get some things for baking or some items. And I'll get to the store. I didn't write it down. I didn't put it in my phone because I'm like, I've got this. I can remember this. She's asking me to get one thing. Surely I can make this happen. Only to walk up and down every single aisle and determine I have no idea why I'm here. 
which then I fall into a default mode and I figure while I'm at the store, I might as well get something I can remember. And that would be a package of double stuffed Oreos because when you forget, you need something to make you happy, okay? So, so you, we, we, we forget all the time. I don't know about you, but I have a problem with my memory. Has that ever happened to anybody else? You get somewhere. Okay, let's just get really real. You walk into the other room to grab something. You didn't even leave your house. You were in the living room. You needed something. You walked probably 15 steps, got to the room, and you're like, why am I here? I, I don't even remember. Now, some of you, though, you have what I call selective memory. And you let, you've let your spouses kind of buy into this, too. It's like, um, I'm just going to pretend that I forget all the time, so therefore, I don't have to be accountable for ever remembering anything. You just forget. Here's the thing. I think God knows a lot about you, and I think that God knows a lot about me. Would you agree upon that? So I think God knows that we can be forgetful people. I think God knows that we can go on in life, especially, especially when things are going good, and forget that the Bible says that all good things actually come from above. Everything that you have. You, you may say, well, I've worked to get this. No, no. God gave you breath in your lungs so you can go to work. He gave you the ability to do the work so that you can get whatever it is that you're bragging about. God's done that. Everything that you have, no matter what it is, is because of God's goodness. How, how many guys know it could be like that with thankfulness? We could forget. We can forget to be thankful for our jobs until we don't have one. We can forget to be thankful for strength and health until we get sick. We can forget to be thankful for a friend until they're gone. How many of you guys know the season that we're in? We could even sometimes be unthankful for an actual building to come inside and worship Jesus to. Oh, don't get quiet on that one. You guys were amen in the other ones. I never realized how much people really miss church until you couldn't go inside a church. I, I can't tell you how many people have said, I'm never taking church for granted ever again. Because it was almost, in a sense, pulled. And you realize, wow, there's a side of God's presence, by the way, according to Scripture, that you experience when you come into the house of God. You might say, well, wait a minute, I can experience God anywhere that I want to. You're absolutely correct, but scriptures point to a presence of God that dwells in his, his house. So there's a side of God that you get to experience when you come to church. And hopefully you're experiencing that today. You see, what we really need to do is we need to recognize our tendency to forget about thankfulness and build into our lives the, these reminders. And as I started thinking about that, that's where I felt God impress upon my heart. Don't just turn this into one message. Turn this into a series of messages and help people create reminders in their lives so they remain thankful every single day of the week. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 is, is striking because it says, in everything. Would you say in everything? says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In the painful circumstances, give thanks. In disappointing circumstances, give thanks. In joyful circumstances, give thanks. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, until you feel like it, give thanks. And here's the thing, when you stop and think about that, here's what I've come to know about people that are emotionally stable. 
They're very grateful people. You ever just met somebody in your life that no matter what comes their way, it's almost like nothing phases them? They've got the joy of the Lord because they recognize that that is their strength. Nothing phases them. You know what they have most of the time? They have gratefulness in good and in bad. You know, and sometimes too, it's easy, to, it's easy to tell when someone's faking gratefulness. It's very easy to tell when someone, when someone really means it. Why don't you grab your Bible real quick? I want you to flip back to Ephesians. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter one because what we're gonna do today in a short period of time is we're gonna talk about three things that we have to recognize, that we have to do in the area of gratitude that's gonna help us out. And we're gonna take this from the Apostle Paul, who we just kind of talked about or saw in our, in our video story here today, which was a tremendous story on understanding the Bible. And we're gonna look at the Apostle Paul's writings, but it says this in Ephesians chapter one. It says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, and then if you like marking up your Bible, spiritual, say spiritual, blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Let me read that again. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every natural blessing, with every material blessing, with the thing that I've been praying about for two weeks. Does it say that? No. Paul points something out here that is greater than anything that you can hold in your hand. He says he has, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, you are already blessed with every spiritual blessing when you become a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ meaning you're not lacking anything. And so his writing, he's, he's writing to them and he's reminding them that the richest blessings in your life are spiritual. And there's three things in the book of Ephesians chapter one that point to this that I wanna to bring to your attention here today. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one is simply this. Show gratitude because God has chosen to adopt you. This is a spiritual blessing. He's chosen to adopt you. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse five, having predestined us, let's slow down here, predestined us, you, me, I, to adoption. Let this sink in for just a moment. He has predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Let me ask you a question. Feels good to be chosen, huh? Let's go back to when we were kids on the playground, depending on your era. My area, kickball. It's like baseball with a very bouncy ball. And you got to like tell the pitcher what kind of pitch you wanted. I want high baby bouncies. I want slow baby bouncies. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you're like in my, my age range. And you knew that depending on that type of role, it determined what kind of kick you can do. But the best part about that is when you lined up, 
Everyone got lined up. Two captains. Okay, I pick so-and-so. I pick so-and-so. I pick so-and-so. It feels good when someone picks you. Feels horrible when they don't. Feels good. How about this? You're an adult. You're chosen for a certain job, a position. Boss comes up and says, look, here's the deal. You work hard and you work good. I need you to run this project. There's not a person in this room that wouldn't say, ah, oh, man, that makes me feel good. Why? Because I feel trusted. I feel like my hard work is paying off. Everybody loves to be chose. Feels good. I can remember for me when I was about 12 years old, and things in our household started to take a really, really big change. From about the ages of 12 to 16 years old, what I knew of life completely changed. We were living in Sacramento, California, and we moved to a place called Orangeville, which is only about 20 minutes up the road. Wouldn't call it a cow town, but there were some cows and there were some ag departments. And so life was a little bit different being the inner city kid. Now all of a sudden I'm, I'm living in a different place. So my mom had, had gotten remarried. And when we moved out there, she, she got a really good job. My, my stepdad, he was in the Air Force, but he only had to report on certain times of the year. So he became an electrician and he started working for an amazing company. And man, things were looking really good. Now before we moved to Orangeville, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad. But when we moved to Orangeville, things got real different and things changed really, really quick. My mom was working a great job. Again, my stepdad's working, but my mom eventually lost her job for, for whatever reason that we don't really fully know. And it was at that point that there began to be some friction and some tension in our home because finances got real tight, real, real tight. It was me and my two brothers, and then I had a stepbrother. So there's four of us. You know, we're the, we're the ages of 12 to 16, a little bit lower. We're eating everything we can find inside the house, as now I'm finding out as a dad with only two boys that I can't keep anything in the pantry, in the fridge, or even hidden in my room. They find it, they eat it, and therefore I don't have it. <laughs> and it got real tight. And my mom started drinking. And it got really bad. And because there was friction in the marriage, and because my mom started to have a really hard time with alcohol, she became an alcoholic. And because my stepdad and my mom were now fighting, there came a point where there was a lot of abuse going on. And then there came a point where stepdad didn't come home no more. Mom was home, but she was so drunk that she stayed in her room all the time. My stepdad never came home, sent just enough money to get some groceries, but not much. And if you've been here for any length of time, you've, you've heard my story, but it, was very, it wasn't uncommon to never find groceries in a cupboard or in a fridge. And so for my brothers and I, we had an escape. Believe it or not, school was one of them. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense now. But school was an escape. Why? Because we didn't have to be home. The verbal abuse, the physical abuse, the lack of you name it, a mom that's absent, a stepdad that never comes home. School became an escape. And then sports became an escape. And thankfully, a youth group became an escape. And we would do everything that we possibly could to keep ourselves from having to go home because we knew when we went home, things were going to be bad. And we didn't want it. And there used to be many times throughout that, that moment and in, in, in time in my life Whereas a young kid, I would pray. I don't know if I necessarily prayed it or I thought it all the time or I even said it out loud, but it was just very simple. I would say, I wish somebody would just come and get me out of this place. 
And it was a thought that was always across my mind. I'd go over to a friend's house. I'd be like, man, what would it look like to live with these guys right here? Man, look at that mom and dad. They love each other. They care for each other. They take, they take really good care of each other. Man, I would love to have a home like that. That would be awesome. Never happened. So I vicariously live through my friends and through different experiences. But eventually it got to a place where going home wasn't an option. And I can just remember saying, hey, God, I want out of this place. And I'll never forget it, Castle Robo High School, Orangeville, California, about 1998. I get a call to the office one day, and when I walk inside of there, my uncle's standing there. I love my Uncle Randy. I love my Aunt Linda. And all I remember hearing is, hey, it's time for you and Chris. They call him Christopher. They call me Richie. said, it's time to come and live with auntie and uncle. And at that moment, we were adopted. No longer did we go home to a home full of strife and anger and fighting and every type of abuse. As I've mentioned, if you've heard my story, I, I, I would get up every morning living in a brand new home and there was plenty of food to eat. And I had to worry about someone hitting someone else or someone lashing out. I was adopted. And when I think about my journey through being adopted and that time and space from the age of 16, there were so many possibilities that I had that were really prior to adoption out of the realm of any possibility. But because someone loved me and adopted me and brought me into their home, possibilities that were not available now became very possible. And my life has forever changed. Now, I say all of that to say, that's the picture and the type of shadow of you and I. You may not realize it, See, that's a picture of what happens because of our adoption by God. We had nothing, but now because of adoption, we're blessed with everything he has because we're family. Now, in reality, that illustration, it doesn't even quite fit the narrative because here's the deal. As a kid who was abandoned, I deserved, just like any child does, I deserved to have a great family. But listen, if we take a step back and we look at our lives before Christ and all the things that we've done, at the end of the day, as sinners, and we all are, look at your neighbor, say you're a sinner. It's more like this. This would be the, this would be the analogy. Picture a career criminal who's done everything wrong. Three strikes. It's completely over. He comes before the judge. He's pronounced guilty. He gets the full sentence that he deserves. But after pronouncing the judgment, this judge takes off his robe, comes around to the front of the bench, stands with the accused, and says these words, I'm going to pay the penalty. I'm going to let you live at my house. I'm going to go through the formal adoption process so that you have rights to everything that I have. I'm talking about the God who has adopted you and I. That's what God's done for us. Now you might say, hey, I wasn't that bad. My life wasn't that messed up before I came to Christ. Let me point to the scriptures. Isaiah 64, 6 tells us all our righteousness are like filthy rags. 
The reality is, you didn't have it together before Christ came. You may think you did, but you didn't. We were all messed up. To quote Timmy, who's watching online right now, we were tore up from the floor up. And that's all the hip-hop rapping you're ever going to hear me do from the stage. Messed up. And God decided, look, here's the deal. I'm going to adopt you. And because of Jesus, we've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. And I don't know if that does something to you, but it should. I know in a setting like this, as you're processing this whole idea, I'm not expecting crazy amens and oh my goodness and thank you God. But when you understand what your destiny would be without God, you're probably going to be very thankful that God called you out. He picked you back up. He dusted you off. Put your feet on a solid ground. Starting to sing some old songs right now. Some of you know. Amen. He gave you a purpose and a destiny and a life. Don't ever forget it. Adopted by God. Amen. As Nate comes. Number two. Show gratitude because God is with us in all the days ahead. Man, I'm thankful for that. Because there's some days ahead, I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> I know. I'll just put a scenario out there that we could all get. Before 2020, let's go back to 2019. You got together with your spouse, with your friends, with yourself, said, man, I'm going to set some goals for 2020. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? <laughs> Everything changed. Didn't surprise God, though. God's in the days ahead. When this thing hit back in March, God was going, got this. Oh, now my children, though, they're kind of panicking. Let me just remind them real quick. God's like, I got this. He's in the days ahead. Listen to me. You will, as a child of God, experience difficulty. I hope you feel encouraged at church today. You're going to face it. Look at it. Look at Ephesians 1.11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, everyone say all things, according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. God goes before us. He works it all out. It's like when you're going to have a baby. Hi, Vanessa. And all of a sudden, you're like six, seven months out. You know what you start doing when you're going to have a baby? You start preparing. Let's get that nursery together. Let's get those clothes, those cute clothes that they're going to wear. Let's get the car seat. Got to pick out a name. You, you, start get, you start just getting ready for it. All the girls get together and they throw a party. You know, they do like those pipe, those diaper pyramids and, you know, you get, I mean, you just get ready. And what's happening? You know what's happening? Is your expectations going, baby's coming. Morning sickness is leaving. Baby's coming. I'm still feeling sick. That's a, that's a sassy baby in your tummy. Not feeling good, but it's okay. Baby's coming one day closer. And you're preparing and you're planning so that when that baby comes, you can get to work. You know what's funny is my, my mom had twins. I'm one of them. 
And back in 1982, apparently, I don't know the technology, there was no idea that there were two babies in her stomach. They had no idea. So imagine being a mom with one crib, one set of clothes, one stroller, you name it. Go down the list. <laughs> Literally, we were born. 20 minutes later, she went back into pain again. Doctor's like, what's going on? Oh my gosh, there's another baby up in there. My brother comes out, which by the way, he kicked me out. I know he's watching right now. He kicked me out because apparently I came out with such force that the doctors couldn't put two and two together. But all of a sudden, that moment, the whole family had to scramble. I think one of our first outfits were actually off of a cabbage patch doll. No joke, no exaggeration, because they didn't have two sets. Like they couldn't prepare for that. Isn't that funny? I tell my brother all the time, go, that second outfit was designed for you, pal. I was the first one out. But how many guys know when you're not prepared for something, man, it can, it can catch you off guard and you can reel for a while. And you got to try to figure it out and get, listen, God, God is with us in all the days ahead. You ain't got to worry about anything. We don't need to go back a few months and talk about our worry series. You don't have to worry. And God's got it. You know what I've learned? I've learned that a mark of maturity is the distance between a disappointing and hurtful thing happening and then with thanksgiving, offering it to the Lord and asking him to make something good of it. That to me is spiritual maturity. That when a disappointing thing happens, I don't blame anybody. I don't say poor me. I don't do any of that. When the tough time comes, I simply go, hey God, what are you trying to show me? Maturity begins to take place. Makes a huge difference. So number one, we show gratitude because God has chosen to adopt you. So thankful. So thankful that God has adopted us as sons and daughters. Number two is we show gratitude because God is with us in all the days ahead. Some of you, you need to go home tonight and have a good night of sleep and stop worrying about tomorrow. He's in the day ahead. That's why some of y'all ain't sleeping. So riled up about tomorrow. What's going to happen? Jesus said it. <laughs> tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Focus on today. Number three is you show gratitude for God's guaranteed inheritance over you. Guaranteed. Look at Ephesians 1. Verse 13, in him you also trusted that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, watch here, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? My goodness. Listen, if you've never read the book of Ephesians, six chapters, go home and do that today. You want to talk about some deep, spiritually rich things that God has to say. It's unbelievable. I'd encourage all of you to pray Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 23 over people in your life. If you don't know that prayer, it's one of the most powerful prayers that you could ever pray for a person. Verses 16 through 23. I'd encourage you to memorize it. To this day, I have it because I heard my youth pastor pray it over me every single time we got together. It's powerful. 
But listen to me, you have a guaranteed inheritance for you. And that's what Paul reminds us. And here's the reality, it's beyond, it's beyond anything you'll ever experience. Come on, guys, we're five minutes away to some of the most beautiful coastline in the world. In three hours, we can be up in the redwoods and the rivers. Beautiful places. I see Donnie here today, and I had to stop following him on social media for a little bit because he kept posting all these great places of Lundy Lake because Chris took us all there, and now we're forever ruined. Beautiful, beautiful places. But here's the reality. None of it compares to the day that's coming when you'll stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. You think you've seen some beautiful things? You ain't seen nothing yet. There's a day coming. There's a place coming that's prepared for you and for I. So when you get frustrated with this world and done with people and you just want to give up, don't give up. Keep your sanity. Keep your salvation. Keep your heart right. Watch your words. Because there's coming a day when all of that is over. It's done. And there's an eternity for you and for I. And it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen. Don't get caught up on now. Get caught up in the place that's prepared for you for all of eternity. This momentary thing that you're facing is right here. That's all it is. But in the span, eternity. So don't give up now. There's an inheritance. I want you to imagine that on January 1 of this upcoming year, 2021, I want you to imagine for a moment this one day is the worst day of your life. You got fired from your job. It's a bad start. You're at the dentist. You have an appointment for a root canal. The anesthesia wears off halfway through. It's not going to be good. On your way home from the dentist, you get into an accident and discover your family's in the other car. The stock market collapses. Your 401k, worthless. Your best friends betrayed you. The time you're living in goes into a lockdown. The Raiders only beat mediocre teams. Everything's bad. There's nothing to celebrate. And all of this is on January 1, 2021. But, but then, every day after that, it's the best of your life. A rich uncle leaves you 50 million. A new job opens up that you absolutely love. You get a week off every month to do what you want to do. Your marriage is so great. You have another child. And your spouse loves you so much, you get to name the child after you. Your year is so great. Time Magazine puts you on the cover. Man or woman of the year. The Raiders won the Super Bowl. What an amazing, amazing year. Then the A's win. Tiger wins the Masters. The Sacramento Kings, they just win more than 10 games. Gosh, my life as a sports fan is miserable. It's a year like no other. And then, 
on the first day of 2022, someone asks you the question, so how was 2021? You say, it was great. Best year of my life. But then they say, but wait, didn't you have a bad day on the first day of the year? And you would say, yeah, yeah, I did. But it pales in comparison to how great the whole year was. Listen close. That, my friends, is a picture of heaven. Everything you face in your life right now that is disappointing, discouraging, and defeating is a small on the radar in comparison to the glory that God has for you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media to hear more about what God is doing through our church at Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo. For more information, visit us at canyonhills.com.